Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Parks. I'm Kelsey Staler, the entertainment editor at Bustle. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Can't wait. <laughs> We're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark today. Uh, this movie, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Lawrence Kasdan, with story from George Lucas and Philip Kaufman, came out uh, June 12th, 1981. I, uh, I almost feel like this movie is my stepdad. Like... <laughs> Like that's that that's how much I don't know I, I've grown up with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that uh, I don't even know what to say to that. Uh, it seems like I a mean, slightly I, negative connotation, like a stepdad. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, yeah, you're true. I mean, stepdads get a bad rap, maybe rightfully so. But like, I don't know. It's the late addition to my to my family that I can't claim to have the DNA of per se, but like, I wish. Okay. It's like your stepdad, right. Todd. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're uh, if you're married Tom Selleck or Harrison Ford or something, and you're just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I I feel kind of similar. I mean, I guess not the stepdad thing. Um, I, I've I've never had a stepdad, so I don't really know what that's like. But, um, yeah, I grew up with this movie. I feel like it's the reason I date the men that I date because <laughs> I basically am looking for Indiana Jones like all the time. Um, and I blame it for the fact that I love whiskey so much because mm. as I will catch on later, uh, Marion's whiskey habit is like goals kind of, that's <laughs> kind of messed up, but you know what I mean? I love that you asked her about that. And when you interviewed Karen Allen. Oh, oh Yeah. Well, I had to. I had to because I I had to settle a bet not only with my coworkers at the time. Uh, I worked at a place called Hollywood.com, and literally everyone who worked there, including the movie's editor, um, was convinced that it was vodka in the shot glasses. And my brother was convinced of the same thing. And I was like, no, you guys, like, this is half of my worldview. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I got to speak to her for the DVD release, like, a couple years back and I was like, look, like I want to talk about everything, but first can we settle this bet? Um, <laughs> and she, first of all, was like one of my favorite humans I've ever spoken to, but <laughs> she was like, no, it was whiskey. Like they dyed the water to be another color. Um, and upon watching it this time, I made some notes too. There was like a point where, uh, Indy asks for a whiskey bottle in the bar fight. Um, and then later when he thinks that she's gone, he drinks whiskey. So <laughs> I am. I not only have Karen Allen, but I have now taken the time to make the notes. It is definitely whiskey. I won this bet. Um, and she was such a good sport about it and so cool. So, uh, so it, was pretty, it was a pretty good day. Was she literally drinking whiskey on set or was it just supposed to be whiskey? It was like tea. Okay. But it was, mm-hmm. but you know, it was supposed to be whiskey. Like everyone was like, oh, it's vodka. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a, just a brown table that you're seeing. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. she's like, no, they, they, they dyed the water that we were drinking. So like. I don't, I don't think it was. I don't think it was vodka. Um, it's really, really, really bad Nepalese like vodka. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I was like, what about Nepal? Has everyone thinking they're drinking vodka? Like I don't know. <laughs> but, well, you know okay. the the way they shot this movie, I wouldn't have been surprised if it actually was like onset alcohol. Like I feel like that's oh, kinda, yeah. this movie has a real like seat of your pants quality to it. You know. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, maybe it was, and Karen Allen has just become, you know, like a distinguished woman. She was also like doing a play at the time, and she was like, doesn't want to give us the secrets <laughs> that she right. was really just like drunk off her ass. But I would be very, uh, uh, I would be happy to hear that that's what actually happened. <laughs> uh, that was a good segue, so that all the guys can update their their Tinder profiles or what have you to be more Indiana Jones like. <laughs> in <your area. laughs> yeah, get on it, dude. Guys like code. <laughs> I've got I've got a bullwhip. I'm just saying. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Putting right. myself on blast. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we uh, do our opening statements? Sure. Marco, you go first. Um. So I have a bunch of just random thoughts I'll throw out. Uh. So I I love that this is essentially a movie about hunting down the radio to talk to God. Um. I, I like that the trigger was pulled on this movie while like George Lucas was on vacation in Hawaii to escape the success of Star Wars. And Spielberg was there to escape the success of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And Spielberg, like, he still had his heart set on, like, doing a Bond movie. And, like, Lucas talked him into this instead, which I guess Spielberg later called Bond without the hardware. Um, that, that still fascinates me. But it's, it's, it's a very interesting movie. I mean, it's a movie I grew up with so much. And, like, we just did Back to the Future. And, in some ways that fell really short in in the modern take on it whereas this one doesn't it's just obviously an older style movie um but it's fascinating because it's it's about hitler's real world obsession with the occult you know trying to capture the heritage of the jews as a tool of domination and meanwhile the movies themselves are like really taking a beautiful shit on the nazis <laughs> to the point where like indy rips the mercedes thing off the front of that car during the action chase i, I fucking love that but like <laughs> This made me want to be an archaeologist for five minutes, like the same way it makes me want to play video games in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I was fascinated to see just some of the, like the German expressionism, like kind of infuse like nor lighting that I completely forgot about. Um, I know you'll agree with this, Benji. I love the sound in Spielberg movies. I mean, gunshots feel like gunshots feel like something breaking in your ear canal. I mean, <laughs> Like knuckle, not like like punches feel like knuckles smacking against jaw bones. I mean, it, like Ben Burt does such a great job. Um, and this is movies is it's just two hours. Like it's fifty percent John Williams. It's all action set pieces that work beautifully on top of each other. Count characters are failing upwards, and yet this in the modern text would be like a two hours and forty five minute movie, and it still wouldn't have this like glorious three act structure. I I just fucking love this movie. Um, <laughs> Please, Kelsey, say something more eloquent than me. <laughs> oh, God, no, no, no. Um, I mean, I, I can't, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I, I, every time I watch this movie, I forget how amazing it is. Like every joke always makes me laugh out loud, even though I know exactly when it's coming. I know exactly what's going to be said. I've heard my cousin, my brother, my dad reiterate the joke, not nearly as well as the actors do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm always just taken away by how, it just never ever ever gets old but beyond that there's just like so many elements of it that are just so perfect like the fact that it it simultaneously makes me want to jump on a in a cab and run down to the library and learn everything i can about a topic and it makes me want to like take that topic go start a dig beat up some bad guys like have an adventure around it like no other movie ever makes me want to like read books and fight bad guys at the (laughs) same time which i think is incredible Mm -hmm. um and it's just, it, it literally has everything I've ever wanted in a movie. It's got brains, it's got comedy, it's got um, a female character that's, you know, more than sort of what you would expect. I think that she's she's still somewhat of the time, but I think that she is, if you look at anyone else at the time, I think that she's really at the top. 
Um, and it's got a, a dude who's, who's at the same time, he's incredibly attractive. Like I said, my, my dating, uh, choices are sort of based off of this character, but he's not, you know, he's not perfect. He's, he's kind of a mess. He screws up all the time. I just, there's, I, there's literally nothing I, I don't love about this movie. And sorry, I was not more eloquent than you. I just am word vomiting because <laughs> I love this movie so much. <laughs> it's quite okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to watch Raiders and not just come away thinking like, wow, like they just don't make them like they used to. Like this movie is just such a delight. Um, I think it's kind of it's amazing. So you're basically watching Spielberg invent the modern action movie and mm-hmm. you're realizing like, wow, like what he did 35 years ago is still the gold standard pretty much. Uh, I think rewatching it now, it seems even more amazing just because it's like all these real sets. Those are real extras in the background. Those are real locations, you know, everything's practical. It's, it's really impressive, like what they did. Um, and I, I think of all the movies we've done on the podcast so far, this is the one that just has like the most raw talent on display in the director's chair. It's just so well made. Uh, it's, it's perfectly paced. You know, it's time flies by. It's a two hour movie that just, you never feel bored for a second. Um, oh. and this script actually gets taught a lot in screenwriting classes just because it's so good at elevating tension. Um, and I think the key is that indie, he never totally succeeds. He's actually constantly failing and suffering new setbacks. Uh, but it makes him a really fun, relatable character. He's not just like a perfect hero. Um, it makes the story really engaging because it's like no matter how hard he tries, the villains are always a step ahead of him. And, you know, it's just like, well, great. Here's a new obstacle, a new thing he has to do to get to the arc. I mean, Harrison Ford, he's, he's perfect. I mean, it's somehow more iconic than Han Solo, I think. Like, it's like he mm-hmm. took everything about Han Solo and it was like, what if he was also a professor? You know, yeah. it's like Tweety, <laughs> you know, he's like, he's a little more intelligent than Han Solo. Like, I don't know, there's something about Indiana Jones. He feels more fully formed as a character. Um, and then Karen Allen's just terrific as Marion. I think even when she's kind of, you know, being put in peril in the story for like Indy's rescuing, she still gets a lot of heroic things to do. And she never, never really feels like less of a character. Like she definitely comes with her own perspective through the whole movie. And it, it is somewhat of the time, but I feel like this was a, a time in American movies where like it was okay to kind of have like a, like a, you know, girl power type of character. And they, you know, there wasn't like a lot of like hand wringing over it. Like it was like they wanted, you know, these female characters to like be able to do their own thing, like Princess Leia, for instance. So, uh, she's just a really fun character. Um, this movie pretty much always like at the top of the great films list that you see. And I think it's because it's pretty much impossible not to smile while you watch this movie. I mean, it's just so enjoyable. Uh, I love it. It was really fun rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think Karen Allen is, is just as an iconic an action hero and, and some of the set pieces as Indy himself, mm-hmm. but like, man, her presence, like her smile is worth millions in like CGI mm-hmm. for a modern movie. <laughs> alone um well yeah, it's like an unself-conscious smile like everything about her character doesn't feel like she's just there to be pretty like she she's there to have her own motivations and you know like mm-hmm. humor and whatnot like she's not she's not just there to support indy like which is why i think she's such a fun character mm-hmm. yeah i mean the way she's introduced is that she's wearing like <laughs> a big dirty shirt high-waisted baggy pants like a ponytail that's totally utilitarian, zero makeup, wasted, <laughs> winning a, a contest where she's pulling one over on all these like roughed up dudes. And then she goes and closes the bar. Like 
that is not a vixen. That is mm. not someone who's here for eye candy. That's not someone who's beguiling and winning over all the men. Like, you're almost surprised when she becomes, like, a romantic, like, object that Indy and um, Belloc are, like, fighting over. You're kind of like, mm-hmm. wait, what? Like, I thought she was kind of a badass. Like, when did this happen? So, like, there's just at no point at which you feel like she's, like, just there to kind of be the, the sidekick, mm-hmm. which is right. awesome. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt that they, that they would be interested in her. It's, it's the, she doesn't have to settle for either of these guys if she doesn't want to. No. And I love, and I, you completely forget. And it's kind of a, a nice reminder of what a rake and a scoundrel Indy is because, especially through her filter in mm-hmm. the past, um, I completely forgot about the utterly inappropriate nature of their past relationship. Oh, um, yeah. And I, and I like that he, his, his reaction is so Ezra Fitzian interesting. Um, <laughs> you knew what you were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that all there. She's just like, I was a child. You know, he took advantage of me. Like, you know what you're getting into. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, never has like the Humbert Humbert ideal, I think, <laughs> been so rugged and charming. Um, not that I would use the word ideal for Humber Humber anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so, so should we talk about like our, our combined 25 top moments? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure. Do you, have, you guys have any honorable mentions? Yes. Uh, so I, I actually have like three <laughs> honorable mentions just because I kept narrowing it down to like six things. Um, it's a very, a lot of the small moments hit so much of me as much as the big moments in the set pieces. But like my number six would be, uh, when the, the captain of the pirate ship or the, and his men can't find Indy after the Nazis show up and the guy's just like, I can't find him. And the captain orders him to look him again. And the seaman just looks out the window and he's like, yeah, I found him. And he's over there on the U boat. And then the, <laughs> the pirate crew like all gives him like the cheer and Indy does like the victory wave as he tries to figure out like how the fuck to get into the sub before it submerges. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I guess um, does anyone else have any? Because I have a whole bunch. <laughs> well, I have one that's maybe not honorable mention. It's just like I can never forget it because it's so weird. <laughs> which is that um, right after Indy thinks he's just killed Marion, uh, <laughs> he goes to to John Reese Davies and he's like, "Yeah, it, like she's dead." And John Reese Davies is like, "Yeah, I know. Life goes on." And they just like get in a car. He's just like, don't worry about it, bro. Like, are you serious, dude? Like, there's some things about his, which is why I like his character. He's like a little off. He just like doesn't quite read the room. Um, I thought that that was pretty great. Well, you kind of wonder, like, how many Marians are out there for Indy? You know, is this one that expendable? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point, there's at least one lounge singer Mm -hmm. that you just know that ended badly. Uh, one honorable mention I have is uh, when the monkey does a CKL salute, uh, when yeah. like uh, him and his like master want to talk to the Nazis and in, in Tunisia or Egypt. There, um, mm-hmm. it's just it's so ridiculous, but it's kind of hilarious. Uh, I was reading that that's like Spielberg's like favorite part of the movie was uh, I guess George Lucas was the one who actually directed that scene, and like they managed to get the monkey to do a CKL salute, and he just was like absolutely delighted by it. It's just so ridiculous. 
That was the one where like they had something in the air and it like, took like 25 takes to get the monkey to do it, right? Yeah. Well, it's like, cause they have to, not only does the, uh, like the, the monkey's master have to do the Nazi sleep, but the monkey does too, to be let in. <laughs> um, for my number five, I won't, I mean, I want to cheat and say the entire opening, but it's, it's everything from the way Indy like rubs his chin as he considers the action of replacing the idol. You know, and then like, yeah, I'll dump some of the sand out. It's not quite the right weight. All the way, of course, to throw me the whip. <laughs> throw me the idol. <laughs> uh. Oh, man. Wait, well, I didn't have I didn't have a whole three extra uh, in my honorable mentions, But uh, I guess I can just start with my my third, if that's cool with you guys. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, and that's just and. This is kind of setting, I guess, my my weird hierarchy here. But my third is actually when he is on the truck and he's sort of pulling the Mercedes symbol off. And then he does the thing where he like slides under the car, mm. comes out the other side, hops up, comes around and, and sort of takes the truck back. Um, it's it's sort of it's sort of basic uh, action for this movie. It's like the baseline of like the cool stuff that they do. But it's just it's so impossible and so stupid that he does it. And it just somehow works. And every time I watch it, I'm like angry and like scared that somehow it's not going to work, even though I've seen the movie a thousand times. <laughs> um, and just also like thinking about like how strong the leather jacket is, like would his shoes be burned through? Like there's just so many pieces of it that are just so impossible, but that make it just so amazing. And it's so, you know, it's not some fancy weapon. It's not some explosion. It's, it's literally just him saying, nope, got to get this done. I got to do this right now. Um, and I think that it's just, it's, it's so integral to like who he is, uh, that, yeah, that's my, it's my third moment that I, that I love. Excellent. Yeah. This movie is really a showcase for some great stunt work. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any other honorable mentions, Benji? I do not know. Why don't you go ahead and move us towards number three? Um, well, I'll, I'll plow through my number four real quick. It's basically when Renee says, who knows, maybe in a thousand years you'll be worth something. And then he's just like, Hi, son of a bitch. Um, my number three is everything in the cabin on the boat from uh, somehow. I don't think I'm the first woman to travel with these pirates as she whacks Indy in the face of the mirror to, of course, it's not the years. It's the mileage. <laughs> and then they're adorably weird scene as she kisses his boo-boos. Well, then he falls asleep on her, and she's just like, yeah. "Great, yeah." No, that that's that's actually my number two one because mm -hmm. it's just it's so perfect. It's so like uh, undermines the 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 expectation because you know you've been waiting the whole movie for them to sort of in the romantic storyline sense you've been waiting the whole movie for them to get to this point, and not only is she smacking him in the face of the mirror, which it, he, he does like the goofy <laughs> Yahoo, which mm -hmm. warms my heart because I grew up watching Disney movies. Um, <laughs> and, and the fact that she doesn't even notice, she's just like no concept of the fact that she just smacked him in the face. Mm. Um, and I liked all the weird little, you know, kissing of the, they're weird people. They you are. know, they're not, they're not textbook, uh, romance here and I like that they had this weird sort of introduction and then that he falls asleep it's just like it's so perfect <laughs> well it's it's funny because I guess originally uh, I think it, Lucas was the one who wanted him to be more of like a playboy like the, originally in the in the opening when he's wearing the uh, the smoking jacket 
when they go back to his place is because he'd been like entertaining the lady there. But they cut that out because I think it, it's like more fun if Indy isn't like totally James Bond. You know, it's like she's kind of trying to seduce him there and then he just falls asleep. That's like a typical <laughs> indie move, you know? Well, yeah, I think, I think you can, you can ditch as much of the, the Doc Savage, that kind of serialized world as much as possible. I, I again, I think failing up is the, what I love about Indy is that, cause he's such a fascinating character because he is this academic who doesn't quite seem to fit in that world. And it's like his true self comes out when he puts on his, his hat and gets out his bullwhip. <laughs> Well, let me do my, my number three before we get yeah. too far ahead. Um, the drinking game. I just love that whole sequence. Uh, it's all in one shot, uh, which you might not notice just because it's, it's so, uh, transparent the way it's done, but it's just hilarious. And I feel like this, that scene, like it like permanently affected me as a kid is I feel like this is just like what people do, you know, when they're adults is they have like weird drinking games. I should love the, the look on the other uh, dude's face when he just like kind of slumps back slowly, you know, <laughs> like, grin frozen. It's just hilarious, and it, I mean, it just lets you know immediately that like Marion's awesome, you know. And then she punches Indy too to just let you know for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the great sucker punch. <laughs> what was your number two, Kelsey? Oh, uh, oh why well, I already did number two, number eight, three, but sorry. I just. I just thought of two honorable mentions that I somehow missed in my notes. So Excellent. you know what? I'll I'll go out of order and be just the total word vomiter that I've been the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are um, the uh, the sort of first time we hear the dun dun dun, dun mm-hmm. which is him swinging on a vine and totally messing up. Like he just falls. <laughs> he does not go far at all. Which is just so amazing because you're waiting for that music to drop and it's like the perfect just like. Indy's got the gumption, but he is never quite exactly where he needs to be. Uh, so I love that. And then, um, and the only reason this didn't make it into my top three is I think because it's so overplayed and I'm such a closet hipster that I couldn't pick it as one of my top three. Um, which is when he's in the, the market fighting and he gets to like the, what I would call like the video game boss of the <laughs> level, mm-hmm. the guy with the, the black suit and all the crazy, weapons and he's just like oh my god screw this and he just shoots them um which is also you know like everyone's favorite so mm-hmm. those are my my last minute honorables that i'm gonna fill this time with perfect segue to my number two which is the sword guy in cairo <laughs> indeed just shooting him uh that scene is utterly fantastic for like the philosophy of indiana jones and i love that they celebrate these moments it's not like a han shooting greedo thing where we get this like back and forth revisionist history. And I love that it kind of, when you, when you like do the trivia about this movie, it shows how versatile Spielberg is. Like much like Bruce the shark, like he's a master of like the day of limitations and like turning them into strengths because this was, what is it? Like Harrison Ford had dysentery and they yeah. had a whole choreographed <laughs> fight thing. And he's like, let me just shoot the guy. <laughs> apparently, apparently everybody got set, got uh, sick on set when they're shooting this in Tunisia, except for Spielberg. Because he only ate like canned food the whole time. <laughs> like I was reading, there's a bit where uh, John Reese Davies is solid. Like there is a scene where he's getting harassed by the Nazis, and like he actually like soiled himself in the middle of it because he was so sick. Oh my god! Yeah, it sounded, I did not know that. It was like it was so awful that Spielberg managed to shoot it in like four and a half weeks when they're scheduled for six, just because they wanted to get out of there. 
I just want the commentary track where they're like, this whole sequence of the movie smelled like shit. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I need that in my life, actually. No. <laughs> well, my number two is going to be the uh, swapping out the bag of sand for the idol. I mean, it's it's an obvious one, but it's it's a classic one. It's it's so much fun. It's there's no explanation needed. You just kind of see what he's doing and you get what his intention is. I love how much of this movie is visual and there's there's not a ton of like constant expository dialogue to kind of let you know what's going on. You just kind of get like, oh yeah, you can't step there and. Oh yeah, he needs to kind of like, you know, make it weigh about as much as the idol and swap it out. And just the way it's lit and everything, it's like all golden. Like, God, it's just a great shot. Well, just that, that way he just rubs his chin right before mm-hmm. he does it. Like, hmm, yeah. Well, and yeah then this he, is the move. He thinks he's successful for a moment. You know, it's a classic indie <laughs> move where it's like, ah, I did it. And then nope. Well, now I'm really curious because I figured we would all have the same number one, but uh, I don't think that's the case now. Probably. So. No. <laughs> No, that's cool. That's cool. What's what's your number one, Kelsey? Uh, well, my number one. I'm just gonna to preface. Uh, I think subconsciously I wanted to like subvert expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually the whiskey scene. It's not. It's not an indie scene. Um, and that's probably selfish on my part because I fancy myself to be uh akin to Marion. But <laughs> I just you know as a young woman growing up with this movie and kind of I sort of wanted to be Indiana Jones. Um, having a scene like that, that there was this kick-ass lady that I could attach to in, in this movie. And I think, you know, I love Princess Leia, but I never attached to that character the way I attached to Marion. Um, and it just sort of made me feel like I was sort of part of the movie as opposed to just like wishing I was part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, not that I was drinking whiskey when I was, you know, six years old. So I don't want anyone to think that my parents are horrible, but um, just just the idea that there was this lady who was like, you know, almost as kick ass as Indy, um, and the introduction to her is her doing exactly that. Um, so for an emotional reason, that is yeah. my favorite moment of the movie. Yeah, well, you know, Marion like having you know, like a weird bar and drinking games in Nepal. You get the feeling like she probably has her own weird movie that she could be the star of. You know, mm-hmm. totally. she's running around mm-hmm. having adventures. Like she definitely. Seems like the adventurous type herself, you know. Well, especially after this movie, everything up to Shia LaBeouf yeah. and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm oh, dying to talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't talk about it. <laughs> but no, Kelsey totally, totally like renewed my faith. Uh, it's the whiskey. Everything, everything in that bar in Nepal is my number one. I mean, the whiskey, of course. Which until you posted that video, I completely forgot that that's one shot. That camera just flows so <laughs> beautifully back and forth to those two combatants. But to that great, like, indie iconic shadow thrown up on the wall behind her and her reaction to it, you know, and every facial expression to, you know, I was a child, I was in love. I was. I love the way she um, she throws down the the shot glasses that are in her hands and breaks them when she sees them. It's a great reaction. (laughs) But but just everything up to like the sucker punch, which is amazing. Um, Yeah, Marion and that scene, especially her introduction is my number one. Sweet. All right. Well, we already talked about my number one. It's uh, it's obvious, but like ever since I was a little kid, this moment just delighted me. Indy shooting the swordsman, not just that he <laughs> shot him, but the look on his face afterwards is just never fails to make me laugh. It's just like vaguely disgusted, like, Ugh. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> well, now I feel bad that I like shamed both of you guys for putting it in the top three. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, no, it's no problem. I mean, with movies like this, it's like. 
I think you're going to you're going to have heard of our our top moments. We're not going to, you know, it's kind of hard to be that obscure and talking about Indiana Jones. True. We could probably deserve a little shame too. <laughs> um, but I yeah, I love it. Yeah, the guy brought a scimitar to like a gunfight. Just <laughs> he has this half grimace on his face like just like yikes. Anyway, where's Marion? <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's so good because it's like it's probably not even acting too Harrison Ford just wants to go find a bucket <laughs> yeah <small>. yeah <laughs> oh, which god just try to imagine Tom Selleck doing half of this oh can't oh, at no. all well yeah. you know that, that moment with him shooting the guy it's such a like it's you could only do that once in a movie like this was this was the first and only time the joke was as ever as good as it was going to be here. You know, mm-hmm. everything afterwards, you're just ripping off Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, any complaints? <sighs> this was hard. <laughs> yeah. This was really difficult. The only thing I can think is, I mean, the movie's a, it's pretty colonial in its perspective. I guess mm-hmm. it's not really surprising given both it was made in 1980 and it's depicting 1936. So yeah. I don't know. I don't, I never feel like it's uh, as offensive as some other movies I've seen though. You know, I feel like it, it's not uh, at the level of like pure cringe or anything. It's just kind of like it can be read as colonial, you know, and like the way that, that they treat the, the places they go. I guess my, my complaint is about the people who try to shit on this movie and are like, well, this new school of criticism that like Indy's not actually integral to the plot at all. Like the exact same events would have transpired without his presence. Did you know that's and my I'm other like, complaint actually is that same thing. Yeah, it's, well, it's, I'm just like, yeah, fuck you. It's Indiana Jones. <laughs> well, it's, it's false amazing. too. It's, it's, it's a false reading. Indy has a lot of impact on what's going on. It's, he mm-hmm. just happens to fail a lot, which is actually yeah. the fun thing about the movie. I mean, also, would you actually watch this movie if you were just watching everything unfold without Indy? I feel like not nope. so much. Nope. So, sorry, Burns, dudes. Well, and, and obviously he's important because he's not considered one of the top men <laughs> that were brought in to uh, handle all this. It wasn't until he showed up that, you know, a lot of this kicked off. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that theory sure. was popularized by the Big Bang Theory. So, yeah. You know. Oh, well, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I tried so, so hard to find things that I really, really wanted to change about this movie. Um, I wrote down some sort of vague notes about the colonial elements, um, but I, I felt like I was really trying to dig them out and be like, this is the worst. And uh, I feel like, like what you said, like a lot of it's kind of of the time. Um, the things that really I would want to change if we could like update a few things um, are actually about Marion. And I, I blame Ray from the force awakens for <laughs> this feeling in me mm-hmm. because there were a few scenes where she's part of the fighting. Um, and whereas, um, and I'm comparing it to that scene from the force awakens where uh, Finn first finds Ray and he's like going to go rescue her. And then mm-hmm. next he turns around and she's like kicked everyone's ass and he's like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a moment when they first get attacked in the marketing marketplace and she's kind of gently bopping the bad guys on the head with a box. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I think she's supposed to be bashing them, but she's doing like the thing you would do in like a, a, a play where it's sort of like, you're just kind of being very gentle. Um, so I kind of wish that they had, you know, put Karen Allen through some like fight training or something and really given her some cool stuff to work with. Um, 
even the frying pan in that scene like first of all <laughs> i don't i don't like when women fight with frying pans because i feel like it's like an old stereotype that i like just just domestic, any other metal object yeah. would be great exactly yeah. like anything that's heavy and made of metal except for a, a pan would be great um but we don't even get to see her swing it she like does it off screen and then slides the guy in the doorway so uh i think that would be the biggest change that i would ask for so she says we saw her hit Indy. Like, we know she can throw a punch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that that scene, that kind of sequence through the marketplace, that I think is when she gets her most uh, Willy-esque, uh, you know, the character from uh, um, Temple, of Doom. Temple of Doom. You know, it's a lot of, like, Indy, like, over and over. Like, a little too much of that, probably. You know, well, she's just screaming. But I have I have a theory about the screaming. And I don't know if it was intended that way, but it's definitely how I read it, which is that, it doesn't sound like she's wailing sort of as a helpless person. It almost seems like she's like, uh, kind of me. like, or more like, get your shit together, dude. Hmm. Like, I'm over mm-hmm. here. Like, where are you? Come over here. I read it more as commanding than, uh, than as like, oh, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> helpless. Um, but I think that that, I don't know if that was the way it was intended, but it, it might just be my love of her that made mm-hmm. me read it that way. But I, I like that she's she's immune to the same bravado that can that can falter like Indy. Um, mm-hmm. She's not quite made Marion, but like she has her scheme to escape Belloc. You know what I mean? Which is going to yeah. get him drunk, and then she's going to pull a knife on him. And I like that. He, like once he's just like, I grew up on this stuff. It's my family label, and you're just like, Marion, this is not going to work out like you think. <laughs> but I love that she's going to do it anyway, and she thinks she's going to win. Um, I mean, really, like, honestly, the, the sequel could have been about her, I think, and it would have worked yeah. in a very interesting way. For sure. If she was just, like, basically, like, you know, I, I was one credit away from getting my <laughs> my degree in archaeology, <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, just moving into general discussion, um, I just want to talk a little bit, a bit about the, like, this weird racket that uh, Marcus Brody and Indy have going. Where, like, mm-hmm. he steals the artifacts and Marcus fences them to his museum. Like, do they then, like, chop the profits afterwards or something? Like, what exactly is their arrangement? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wasn't quite clear on that. Also, Alfred Molina has the weirdest career ever. I mean, like, starting at the very beginning. This is, like, his film debut, I believe. Right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, he's gone on to play, like, Hercule Poirot on a TV movie. And yet, this is how he starts off. Um, and I just wrote down too that I, I love that the Hovidos phrase translated to these indigenous people for hunt this guy down and kill him is just to drag your finger across your throat. <laughs> <laughs> that, that did strike me too. I was like, um, okay, dude. That's sure. universal. Yeah, um, yeah. And so the, uh, the college girl in the class, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same. The but... 1930s sploosh. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was it was totally like Pam from mm-hmm. what's her what's it called Archer? It was <laughs> absolutely that. I mean, is is it just the tweed? I feel like there's something about the uh, like the combed hair and the the tweedy uh, outfit there. It's just it's that extra level for Harrison Ford, you know? Yeah. Isn't that when well, when Willie finds him most desirable in Temple of Doom too? Is when he cleans up for the the dinner. Ugh, so, yeah. She doesn't know what she's missing. <laughs> um, no, I I feel like I feel like he kind of doesn't look like he belongs in Tweed, and so he's like 
super, super smart, knows everything, uh, doesn't speak like a professor, though. He's kind of colloquial, and he wears the tweed well, but you can tell it's not his favorite. It's not where he feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is, that's what's perfect about it. So I also I like, like how there's like, on my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I love how there's like two other guys in the class. It's just like all women. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like Robert Langdon wishes that his life in academia was as cool as Henry Jones mm-hmm. Jr. <laughs> Um, yeah i do just want to mention because uh, i posted a video about it there's so many they're not long takes really they're just kind of like medium length takes where you get like a whole scene in a single shot more or less or maybe with like one insert um it's just so impressive the way spielberg does it because it's not showy at all it's just kind of like to move the scene along and it it just makes it so visually appealing to watch um you, you almost have to like really be looking for it to even notice that it's all single shot but uh, the direction of this movie is just really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I liked the Army Intelligence Bros. Like they have intel on Doctor Jones and and probably Ravenwood and the Nazis. They have like zero historical or theological info at their disposal. Uh, <laughs> to the point where the one guy's really offended when Indy invokes like Sunday school. Like he actually like sneers or something like Sunday school. We're talking about like <laughs> top notch espionage here. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course I'm trying it. to. Sorry, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say I love the chalkboard. You know, um, I love I love when he has to draw the the staff and whatnot. It's so effective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I I kind of just uh, I love the idea that like he's already too old. Like overall, he's already too old for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the sort of uh, through throughout anything he does, like he's got the sort of I hear the like I'm too old for this shit line mm-hmm. every time he does something, which I just think is is so perfect. Um, and it's not something I noticed when I watched when I was younger. Um, that you know I I had not ever experienced aching bones and and being tired after something that you feel like you shouldn't be tired after. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I really sort of. Uh, I feel that a little bit more. So I like that that's, that's his sort of tone when he's talking, uh, to the, to the guys about, you know, how he's going to get the medallion and all of that. He's kind of like too, too tired for this conversation. He's too tired to, to fight the guy with the, the knives. He's too, t- <laughs> he's like mm-hmm. just tired the whole time, which is, is just hilarious to me. Um, which appeals to us now because we like our naps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I literally do. I'm going to go nap after this. No joke. <laughs> well, I think you also notice in this movie just how tall Harrison Ford is. Like, I feel like you could maybe not really notice that in Star Wars, but here he really does tower over some people. Well, it helps when you have Chewbacca next to you in Star yeah, Wars to, true, true. to hide your height. Um, I just, I feel like the, uh, the map room situation is very complicated, a very complicated piece of engineering. To hide a secret location. Oh, I like how the secret location is like the exact center of like seemingly the biggest, most important temple. Like if you just if you're just like look blindly at that that map room and be like, where do you think they hide the most important thing? You'd probably point to that location anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it made for a, a nice visual moment, but yeah, it was kind of <laughs> like, uh, that's where you start, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did want to mention one thing. Uh this probably should have been an honorable mention in the gunfight at Marion's bar 
when the keg gets shot and it starts leaking liquor and so she drinks some of it. Yes. Oh my god, yes. it's so good. It's it's yes. almost cartoonish, but it's just perfect, yeah. 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 yeah like at first is. I was like, is she gonna like spit that out at somebody and light one fire? No, she's just drinking. <laughs> just a drink for the road. <laughs> it's like it's like Popeye eating his spinach, you know. Just that kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I did want to like touch on the the plane fight a little bit just because I think that there's there's always like those scenes where you're just like this is a great scene, this is a great scene, you always remember it. If someone was to ask me at any point of any day what my top three favorite scenes were, I don't know that I would name the plane one. Mm-hmm. Um and this is after they've escaped from the snake pit and uh they're trying to steal the plane and there's the big sort of Iron Man guy. Um but I just I forgot how like perfectly like uh choreographed it is, how it's got that element of danger from something as simple as the fact that there's just like a propeller going throughout the mm-hmm. entire scene. Um, you know, Marion sneaking around and getting the blocks and hitting the dude and, and she hits him onto the controls and totally screws it up. And then we've got her like firing a machine gun. <laughs> um we've got the sort of return to uh Indy almost losing her by explosion again. Um and then of course, you know, they that she he pushes the guy into the propeller, blood goes everywhere, which is probably one of the goriest moments of mm-hmm. the whole movie, minus face melting. Um and then they get to run away and there's like this huge explosion. And I'm like, how does this scene never make it into like if I was to name my top three full scenes, how does it never make it in there? Um I don't I don't know what about it hasn't stuck in my mind, but it's so perfect. It's so it's effortlessly good. Yeah. I'm going to put a weird gross cherry on top of this. So in the nineties, there was a primetime special focused on the new kids on the block. Okay. I don't know what the point <laughs> it was, but it was basically to let each member enact a fantasy sequence of their own. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck the point was. It was basically just like, these guys are popular. We're going to let them do whatever they want for an hour on like ABC. And so Donnie Wahlberg's was to basically be Indiana Jones doing this fight. Oh no. It was the weirdest, most indulgent thing ever. They got some shirtless, bald guy with like an old-timey mustache. Okay. And they did the whole plane and the, the fight mm-hmm. and everything. And it was so weird. That, that's when like the ideal stepdad became like the weird stepdad in my, in my life. <laughs> I don't know if I ever want to see this. It might ruin everything. Oh, it was. I don't remember what any of the rest of the, the four guys' like, thing was. But I, I'm haunted by the fact... <laughs> That they did this sequence for for Donnie Wahlberg to like live out. Oh, yeah. well, you know, watching that sequence last night when I rewatched this, there's a a shot where it's all one take where you see the fire like racing, you know, like the oil catching on fire in the background as Indy's firing to like blow the lock off the cockpit, get Marion out and run away. And it, as the planes all turning, as the fire is getting closer and closer. Like, it's like, holy shit, they did that all in one take, you know, like, that, like, mm-hmm. just the stunt work they do is, like, really incredible to put everything in a single shot like that. Well, Spielberg's yeah. always so good about, like, letting you know, not just, like, the stakes, but with that, here's the geography of every fight scene. Mm-hmm. Like, the last movie we did for this podcast was Batman vs. Superman, which I would okay. never <laughs> position anyone to watch. And never mind the fact that it's about these, like, godlike figures, but it's like, half the action sequence, I don't know where the fuck you are, what's going on. So it means nothing to me. Like space has, like time and space have no meaning. And here it's like, you know exactly where you are at every moment. And that's what makes it so tense. Like, you know how close that fire is as it creeps towards them. Um, Do you know the pilot in that scene is Frank Marshall? 
the producer. Yeah, yeah. It was like 150 degrees in that cockpit or something like that. He said. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I I <laughs> I I've come to like like Balak or appreciate him over the course of this movie. Uh, he's clearly a villain though because he enjoys the hookah. <laughs> like I'm glad, I'm glad we don't ever get like the modern remake where like Renee like vapes. <laughs> and he has like the the Leonardo DiCaprio e cig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little uh, yeah. bit about um, Indy's face when he meets the Cobra. I think I've never noticed this until now, probably because I was always looking at the Cobra. But like, if you watch his face, he really does look like he's about to shit his pants. Like, it's a really good facial expression. <laughs> like he really does look terrified. <laughs> I mean, this is the movie that made me feel okay about being afraid of snakes, so I feel like I was right there with him. Did not surprise me one bit. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great thing to give your hero. It's like he he has this one weakness. He's afraid of snakes. You know, he's not just like a perfect daring do guy. Yeah. Right. And I hope they don't wait to introduce us to that. Like first five minutes, we find out that he is absolutely terrified. Mm-hmm. Which is great. As he's brushing away ginormous tarantulas or whatever, yeah. Yeah, like nothing. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I guess we, we kind of touched on the opening scene a little bit, but um, I, I, I always forget how sort of, and it's sort of elementary, I guess, but how perfectly it sort of, um, it's almost like a yo-yo. Because he mm-hmm. like goes through and he does all the perfect things. He notices every little trap, and on the way back he sets them all off. Mm-hmm. Um it just that sort of element it, it just always felt sort of like a i mean it literally is a ride at disneyland that i very much adore <laughs> um but it, it it sort of feels like a ride that way it's like oh here's the things you don't do and then sort of like riding up the the slant of the roller coaster that you're about to just like tumble down um that was just such a perfect way to set up the movie so <laughs> Ugh, love it i did like in the well of souls when Marion runs and she's suddenly surrounded by all these skeletons and like in the soundtrack there's like screaming you know it's like obviously the skeletons aren't really making that noise but it's like they're just like no we're just gonna do this anyways because it's fun and have them all making like spooky screams yeah I almost wrote that down as a change and then mm -hmm. by the end of that sequence I was like nope crossing this (laughs) out because like it's just that's exactly like that's exactly what your your inner soundtrack would be if you were doing that. So I was like, no, too perfect. Gotta leave it in. I, I was just like glancing my notes. The Gestapo like interrogator, Major Tot, like um, he's perfectly in like the, the Peter Laurie school of acting. And it cracks me up because they wanted Polanski to play that role. And then they wanted Klaus Kinski, which would have been a very weird modern text to look at it back with. Especially if you had had Tom Selleck and Sean Young and Danny DeVito and all those people. But, you know, never mind his first sequence in Nepal, but when he comes to the tent, like Renee's tent where he has Marion, and it's going to be the start of the Nazis basically chastising Renee for having this crush on Marion. But he pulls out that what looks like this weird torture device, you know, like this like three pronged <laughs> nunchuck thing. And it just ends up being a hanger. <laughs> That is amazing. I, I love that subversion, though, because it's it's he's just he's a fancy German guy who <laughs> wants to hang up his coat. <laughs> Here's a question I have for you guys, because I never noticed this. You know how when Indy first gets on the plane and it like cuts to the back of the plane and there's like a dude watching him with glasses? Mm-hmm. Did you know that's not the same guy as like the Nazi interrogator guy? Hmm. 
I, for the longest time, I thought that was the same character. Was yeah, I thought it was too. It's not. Huh. The guy on the plane is Dennis Murin. He's like the godfather of oh. industrial light and magic. But the other, you know, the the character you see in the rest of the movies, like the I can't remember the actor's name. It's a different guy. I all I for the until last night, I was like, that's the same guy. And I was like, yeah, oh, wait, I thought so too. It's actually not. Well, I I like because I kept thinking to myself, I like that major. Taught, I think it is. Mm-hmm. He gets to Nepal, and the first thing he does is goes and hires some like local thugs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need some muscle, you know. <laughs> then, and, then, and then he goes to Marion's bar to like rough her up. <laughs> that guy's so creepy. Yeah. He's. Ugh. I, but I almost feel like he's never quite realized. Like he's just this. He's such a big threat the whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. He never and really then earns it. Yeah, yeah. He, he never does like the super dastardly thing to really make you hate him. It's just like he's a gross Nazi, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> he's basically just, just a parody. There's no like really like main villain esque figure. I mean, there's Renee, and Renee. I think they do a good job of like he's got kind of shades of gray about him. You've got like <laughs> the kind of the the. The head Nazi officer in charge guy, who I love, he's like, he wakes up from his nap when the plane explodes after Indy's like fist fight. <laughs> um, and then you've got this like enforcer interrogator guy, but I like that there's no lead villain. It's just essentially this like fascist threat that's sweeping over the nation. <laughs> well, I think the lead villain is the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, sure I like how. <laughs> how it's just the blanket Nazi threat is the villain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also just do want to give a mention to when Indy is in the, the truck sequence, when he's still fighting with the, uh, the guy, the driver of the truck, and then they like run over a bunch of dudes. And this one guy just like falls right on the windshield and they both laugh at it. Like they have this yeah. moment together. Where they're like, ha we just hit somebody. Like, it's such a goofy <laughs> moment. And then Indy hits him. Yeah. Well, it also, the Wilhelm scream is even funnier when it's coming out of a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no more perfect use <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, can I fast forward to Captain Katanga for a second? Sure. Mr. Jones, I've heard a lot about you. Your appearance is exactly as I had imagined. And then he and Solo both break out to uproarious laughter. <laughs> I just, I love, and he's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> can I blow your mind about that actor? Please. Uh, that's Kingsley Shacklebolt from the Harry Potter movies. Oh, oh my god, it totally is. Oh shit! <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, God, oh, there's something familiar about that guy. And I looked it up. I was like, Oh, that totally makes sense. That's a fun thing <laughs> about doing these uh, podcasts. It's, it's like there's these British actors who are just like eternal. Like you can always count on them to show up in some small role somewhere. <laughs> well, in coming from that, like. Marion's kiss goodbye was apparently the best thing that's ever happened to Sala. Yeah. Like, have you ever gotten a peck on the lips that turned you into like a singing machine? Like, I mean, I thought to myself, I've never done the Joseph Gordon-Levitt thing where I had a dance sequence and, and Han Solo winked at me or anything like that. I, I've never yeah. just grabbed a bunch of bros and like broken off into song. Apparently I mean, I'm not I've living life with both. Yeah. Time to carpe diem. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then just the... It was uh, weird. <laughs> the, like, Yahoo screen that Indy does when he gets hit by the mirror. It's such a cheap joke, and, like, I laughed so hard at that last night. 
Yeah. Like it's so dumb, but it's so perfect. It's it's amazing every time. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "What was that?" Yeah. <laughs> Just no idea, no mm-hmm. idea whatsoever. When they when they get to the sub base, there's this apparatus that has like pulleys and stuff on it. And I eventually realized after like viewing twenty that it's probably for like loading and unloading from the U boats. But for the longest time, I honestly thought this was just a thing that like carried the the Nazi flag <laughs> back and forth <laughs> through that canal for everyone to make sure they know what they're here for. <laughs> Every time I, I stare at it, because the first shot is you just see the flag as it's like floating there, and I always right. forget that there's all this like pulleys and shit on there. <laughs> yeah, from some angles, it does really just look like it's holding the flag. Yeah. <laughs> well, they weren't very into like iconography, Branding. so yeah. I don't know. Well, like. Second, like the only people secondary to them as far as their branding is like maybe Hydra. Which, Ooh, I mean, they put their logo on fucking everything. Well, <laughs> you get that great How shot when, um, when Sala, like, they, he, somebody takes the rope away and so he has to go get tie a bunch of, you know, sheets together and the last one's a Nazi flag. It's the great little iconography there. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like ominous, kind of letting you know, like, you know, something's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. I like in that scene too that, and, and it's such a cheap joke, but it works every single time when, I mean, just putting Harrison Ford in a teeny tiny uniform that he can't fit into. <laughs> it works. I laugh every time and I'm like, you're an idiot, but it's always funny. Well, no, because then the, the guy chastises him on his appearance too. Yeah, it's so and good. he like combs so... his hair. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a so comb. <laughs> yeah. Well, I assume that all those jackets come with combs. I don't know why, but, you know, it's just in there. Uh, but, yeah, that, that scene is so perfect. I feel dumb every time, but I just love it. So I was reading originally that when they go to see the old man in Cairo who explains the, what the markings on the headpiece mean, he also gives them, like, these, like, warnings that says, like, you should not touch the Ark or look inside the Ark. Which I guess they they cut out because they're like whatever we don't need this, but I guess it sort of explains what's going on at the end there, when right. uh, you know he's like don't look inside the ark. Yeah, close your eyes. It's why him and Sala never actually touch the ark. They just use the uh, the poles to lift it up. Hmm. hmm. I don't think he really needs, but it's interesting. Yeah. Like, the melting faces is appropriately horrifying i mean this is pretty fucked up shit for a pg movie yeah. <laughs> well and apparently this orgy of gore was r and the only way that they got it down to pg was putting like a sheen of smoke or a sheen of fire over some of this mm-hmm. oh. which is so i don't know like such a thin measure it, it was when <laughs> below that explodes yeah they had to like yeah. overlay some fire you also see the origin of some of those nasty looking JJ Abrams like lens flare killer orbs. <laughs> they pop. <laughs> the creepy ghost, dude, it's like it, it looks just like a, a woman and then suddenly it's like it's all dead and screaming. Yeah. 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 I'm not gonna lie to you guys, the first like eight times I saw this movie, I did not actually see this scene because <laughs> again I was a child and I had my hands over both eyes. Uh this so- is this is absolutely like, like to me, my definition of that idea, that, that universal idea of either the hiding behind the couch or watching between the fingers over your face is absolutely the end of this movie. I mean, because it was on like TBS or whatever mm-hmm. on like, Saturday nights. And still I'd be like, oh, here we go. It's happening. I love it. I'm scared. You know, <laughs> I definitely can't yeah, remember. It's still scary. 
I can't remember the first time I watched this movie. I feel like I saw parts and scenes that my parents had wa- let me watch probably like it, I think it was a while before I actually watched the the whole movie like front to back. You know, mm-hmm. just because it, it had moments like this in it and it would, it would be on like the Disney Channel or something they'd cut that out, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, my dad was a Lucas purist, so mm-hmm. probably against my mother's wishes, I saw all the Star Wars movies, every Indiana Jones movie, uh, as like education. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like I can just picture him sitting you down to watch like THX one one three A and he's just like, You have to see this movie. Blow your mind. <laughs> yeah, basically that's, that's that's him, yeah. No, it's funny, I was like trying to think of the other day, uh, when I learned that uh uh Darth Vader was Luke's dad. And I mm-hmm. don't remember because mm-hmm. I knew it so like I saw it before I was old enough to remember what it meant. So like I grew up knowing, like, yeah, duh, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Um so I never got that like actual moment. So while my dad did a good job educating me, I'm like, you know, I did. I maybe needed to be a little bit older to appreciate the aha moments in these movies. But. Yeah, yet, yeah, I would agree. Aren't you supposed to though? I mean, they kind of they kind of hand wave it away in the movie itself with just like search your feelings. You know it to be true. I mean, you literally had that. Yeah, but as You're... as like a seven year old, I wouldn't have known what that is. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely feel the same way, like, as far as the Darth Vader thing. Like, it's such a good reveal, and yet, when I was six or seven or whenever I watched that movie, it didn't have near the same impact, you know? Like, I I can't even remember the first time I watched that movie, because it's just, you know, blur of childhood. Because it was always there? Mm Mm-hmm. I like the the sassy little bow on the fact that the arc lid magically lands (laughs) back on top of it. (laughs) Like that shouldn't be as charming to me as it is, as was as is like the the meta statement about this movie and all of its sequences. But I just love that it just whoop and it lands right back on there. I just want to know <laughs> how they got really off that island. Me. Yeah. No, I it was... never it never bothered me. But I always just thought at some point, like, shouldn't that bother me? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was kind of like like a suction situation. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh, this is this is a gross thing. But you know, what? I'm just I'm gonna tell you anyway because I had to I had to fix the toilet thing last night and it's like the little thing that just goes whoop oh, yeah. at the top mm. i just never thought i just always thought it was like that's how it's supposed to that's how that's how all arcs work duh right yeah, well, i think sure. you gotta figure if the wrath of god can just like melt a bunch of nazi faces and then suck all their bodies up into the air it can probably pull its lid back on you know? yeah. yeah it can close the tupperware mm-hmm. yeah and just like cleaning any part of the toilet close your eyes <laughs> don't <look at> <laughs> I wasn't cleaning. I was repairing for for the record, so everyone's mental images could be a little less disgusting. So, so how do you think they got off the island? Good question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't, think, don't think about that one. Yeah, I think Katanga just showed up. He's just been like, "Hey, party!" Well, they they get untied because the uh, the That's arc right. like uh, burns their their bindings away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they just go like hijack the sub at that point. And, Force the Nazis to like load it on there or something. Doesn't matter. Yeah. They get they Two get back can to totally US. drive us up, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, like in a in a Bond movie, that would have been a whole ridiculous sequence of like Indian Marion alone on the sub and the long journey back to civilization. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that this movie's like, yeah, whatever. Doesn't really matter. We're back in DC. <laughs> well, then you get the other really iconic uh, shot with the the giant warehouse full of crates. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like lost amidst them all. To, I mean, that's been parodied so many times now. I totally. love 
Yeah, well, like X Files, the ending of the, the X Files. But I love the, I love how smooth Marion is at the end there. Like Andy walks out, he's infuriated. He's just like they're fools. They don't know what they've got there, and she's just like, anyway, I know what I've got here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he does this totally dorky thing where he just turns and sticks his elbow out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's the true winner of this movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until Shia LaBeouf comes along, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we we don't we don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. We pretend adopted. it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think we pretty much already discussed make one change. I don't know, Marco. Do you have any changes you'd want to make? Uh, just you know, I've probably watched this movie a hundred times. I guess my change would be if I could watch it a couple hundred more times <laughs> in that span as well. No, I don't I have any changes. Do you think it would be better or worse if Indy didn't have the whole taking advantage of Marion when she was a teenager thing? Oh. Yeah, I would change that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting to have that backstory and then to see just, you know, in this this snapshot in time, the uh the girl with the stuff on her eyelids in class mm-hmm. and it makes me like do we do we infer anything about indy's general habits well, you, know, you you don't get an age necessarily so i guess if you wanted to you could think she was just a, a young adult you know i don't know like right. maybe maybe if he clarified that a little bit so it wasn't, well, i guess college age yeah it, it's you're like, young, inappropriate not. without being gross yeah right yeah you can fan fiction it away, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So not changing anything still. <laughs> yeah, this right. movie's perfect. It, I mean, it's. I, I thought about it for a while. I was like, "What well, would change?" It's like, I. How, how could you change anything? Yeah, this movie's. It moves along so quickly, and it's so so fun. It, I feel like if you put in a new scene anywhere, it, it would stick out like a sore thumb. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you could go back to to my one complaint about Marion being able to fight better, but mm-hmm. and yeah. that wouldn't add any time. But th- mm-hmm. that's like literally the only thing, like the only thing I could think of. Although I have to say, I do admire her her absolute ingenuity of like hiding in the little container in that alleyway after she bonks oh, the so guy smart. with the thing. I mean, I'm like, I would do that. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm outnumbered and I don't have a frying pan, hell yeah, I'd climb in there. <laughs> no, I, I mean I don't I don't begrudge her for the for those smart moments. It's just like the moments when she is fighting. I want like a little more. But right. uh yeah. Yeah, like if she could have no. just knocked the guy out without a frying pan or something, you know. Or on she screen. Punched him. him like she punched Indy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's do our power rankings. Uh I'll go first. Number ten. Uh not an endorsement, but I have the Nazis at number ten. Uh just uh, because there's too. such perfect movie villains i mean there, there's never been a better like this is the only good thing the nazis ever did was provide like perfect villains for movies because you can do whatever you want to them and you're never going to feel bad for them you know yeah yeah, yeah. should so, i go yeah, yeah, yeah oh. <laughs> um so i was i i literally am putting this guy at number 10 just because i want to put him at the bottom of a list <laughs> um which is monkey man First of all, he's, he plays two characters in this movie as if none of us are going to notice that he died in the opening scene. Like, okay, sure. All right. Um, but also, I'm like, I have this like side plot, like fan fiction, where I'm pretty sure that he like was killing the monkey as well in that scene because the monkey is so much funnier than he is. 
Like, <laughs> it's upsetting how he thinks he's, like, running the show, but really the monkey is, like, a better actor, funnier, more interesting. Mm. Um, so I just wanted to put him at the bottom of the list. So there he is. I just I just remember hearing John Reese davies in my head. Bad dates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess to say real quick, because my number 10 is the Nazis, because I totally agree with you. Uh, sadly, not on my list is Jock. And I feel like there should be crazy fan fiction adventures of, like, Indy calling up his number one pilot, Jock, <laughs> who wears an air pirate shirt. <laughs> yeah, pet snake, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I did forget about him. Sorry, Jock. <laughs> I'm surprised they never tried to, like, bring that guy back in the sequels. I guess just weren't interested. Indy just, like, has these dudes wherever he goes that are, like, his best friend. Mm-hmm. Like, short round? Or like uh, Brody or Sala, you know, it's like everybody just loves this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I my... mean, I'd probably help him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine is, uh, I think the character's name is Major Eaton. He's the uh, the top men guy. I just like that guy. He's funny. Hmm. <laughs> just for the Thanks. line, top men. <laughs> Um, and my number nine is obviously the monkey because I had to play the hierarchy between monkey man and monkey. Um, but I, I don't know, like, I, I don't like to put animal characters on lists often, but I just think that the way that they use the sort of cutesy element of an animal being a character was actually still funny, uh, Mm -hmm. which I was surprised by. I was, I was ready to just be like, ugh, a monkey. Um, like he was hilarious or she, sorry, she was hilarious. I like how they um, they kind of imply that the monkey's like reporting back, like intel, but they don't yeah. really show yeah. it. You just kind of like go with it. Don't think too hard about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the monkey like found her in the basket. Like the monkey is one of the smarter characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved to see that monkey talk into a walkie-talkie. <laughs> Um, I want to say the voice of the monkey is Frank Welliker, who I feel like they bring mm-hmm. yeah. into a lot of weird voices um, in movies. My my number nine, and hopefully hopefully Benjamin and I won't marry it too much, is actually I'm going to take it back a notch. It's just the top men in general. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they're up to out there. Not quite getting the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My number eight uh, character's name is Satipo. It's um, Alvin Merlina's character. Uh, just I liked his little moment where the other guy, like for no reason at all, seemingly just turns on Indy. Uh, and then this guy, he, he waits, you know, he goes into the dungeon and everything and then finally betrays him at the end. I just love that. And then of course got his just desserts because he tried to screw over Indy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my number eight, I actually put the Nazis up higher, which I don't want anyone to read anything into. Um, <laughs> uh, but I just, I love the, the, that they're so like terrifying and like distinguished in the their uniforms. But I love that they're like back to the guy in the, the scene with the small jacket and the, the comb, you know, they're just, they're just as easily be easily foilable. Cause they're so, they're so like tunnel vision that they're kind of stupid sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just loved that sort of, uh, jab that we, that, that the movie takes at them. So that was really mm-hmm. fun for me. <laughs> uh, my number eight is the arc itself uh it's a fascinating like presence in itself i mean it's in the title it's this deadly thing and i feel like once you finally see its power unleashed it is not remotely unsatisfying at all um and like i said i love at the end it just sucks itself closed again like uh, 
And I, I believe it gets a cameo in in Crystal Skull too, doesn't it? We know yeah. we're back in the warehouse. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I love that they did not resist that moment. Thirty years later, when they were doing the fourth movie. <laughs> oh, That's the one thing I do like about that movie. Yeah. All number right. Seven. Uh, my number seven is the snakes. <laughs> it's not like including them, even though some of them are actually just like two like hose like pieces that were cut up to look like snakes because they couldn't get enough snakes. Um, but yeah, I, I like that whole sequence. I like how they light the snakes on fire multiple times, but there's just like still more of them constantly. What's your number seven? I put Mr. Katanga uh, because I kind of he feels so out of place in this movie almost. Like I feel like. I feel like on one hand he's he's scary where he when he's pretending to be scary and he's like smelling Marion's hair you kind of believe like he's actually done that before, mm-hmm. but at the same time I feel like he could host like a really fun boat party and I mm-hmm. guess it's because he's wearing that captain's hat like <laughs> to the side a little bit and he's always smiling uh, and he had a pretty dress on hand so I feel like I feel like I want to see the like web series about like what he does with that boat. Um, I, I don't know. He was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And I like now that I know that he's Kingsley Shacklebolt, so I like him even more. <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, my number seven is also Captain Katanga um, because his backstory could go in either direction. <laughs> like, why have they had women before on the ship? Has it been a good thing or has it been a bad thing? What is the thing of him and Sala where it's just like, these are like my family. If anything happens to them, I will take it personally or whatever. Um, I like that he, I hate to compare him to, to Lando, but he, he tries that power play to rescue Marion, you know, totally. like, like, let me take the woman as payment, which, you know, like my number seven honorable mention is Indy in the thing watching all this. And the German guy throws the cigarette down the, the shoot or whatever. I completely yeah. forgot about that moment. Um, so good. But yeah, he just, like, for a character who only has, like, a handful of scenes, Captain Katanga has such amazing presence. I totally agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My number six is Marcus Brody. Uh, I'd forgotten, because I, I, I think I've probably actually seen Last Crusade more than Raiders of the Lost Ark, just for whatever reason. Like, yeah. I was older when that came out, and so I just ended up watching it more. Um, so I... Brody always, I would think of him as being like a little bit like bumbling and stupid, you know? Um, but in this movie, he's like, he's pretty sharp. I mean, he's only in it a little bit at the beginning and the end, but like he comes off as a much more canny sort of fellow than he get in Last Crusade. I, I really liked his interplay with Indy there and the, the scenes with the, the army dudes. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, I'm having trouble reading my notes because I literally wrote down like every character name and then drew a bunch of arrows. So <laughs> I, it was really hard. Um, okay. So I think, yeah, number six is um, Satipo or however you say that, uh, mm. Alfred Molina's character. Um, mostly because I think that he's, you know, he, you sort of know the lines he's going to say. You sort of that expected first character. Uh, he's the scoundrel. He, he takes the whip and all of that. But I love that it's, it's young Alfred Molina because this character is actually like really well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, which you don't often see from that sort of guy. Um, so I thought that that was kind of cool that they had that little privilege of, of finding this, this young talented actor, um, well, the, the made bit, it so much better. The bit with the tarantulas is, is perfect. You know, just his uh, reactions to, to Indy and then realizing that he himself is covered in tarantulas. And yeah. a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So or, many. I think it's interesting too, is that he has the whip. 
you know, he could have thrown it into that, that pit or whatever. He doesn't care enough. He's not that villainous. I like that he yeah. just kind of drops it like where he stands and walks off. Like it's, it's just about screwing you over. It's not like I want yeah. you to die. I'm not, I'm not a monster. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm just pragmatic. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, so good. My number six is the girl who wrote Love You on her eyelids. Cause damn. <laughs> I, I want to read her autobiography. I want to check that out from the library. What she, what she could go on to do could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My number five is Katanga, actually. Uh, I just really enjoyed his character. I, I feel like there's another whole movie about him. You know, like this guy seems like a crazy adventurer, too. He's a captain on this boat. He's had other women on his ship, you know, like. I don't know. It just it seems like a really fun character. I like the way like him and Sala just like make fun of Indy. You know, like they're not afraid mm-hmm. to just like uh, talk shit about him. Like, I don't know. He seems like a fun guy. Your appearance is exactly as I expected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Whatever you want it to mean is exactly what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number five is actually uh, Belloc or Belloc. Mm-hmm. Uh, half because of the way he says Jones uh, and half because I'm pretty sure that he's a Bond villain who like accidentally ended up in this movie and just like yeah. went with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's and, got like, the, he's, uh, I, the white linen suits and whatnot. Mm. Exactly. And I like the way that he's so like bewildered when uh, Salah's children come to rescue Uncle Indy. He like doesn't know what to do because he's like he's out of like he's a Bond villain. Like you don't deal with children. Like what mm-hmm. is this? Um, so yeah, he's just, he's, he's so like perfectly evil to the point where he's almost a parody of himself. Um, and I just, I like that, especially thrown up against, uh, uh, Todd with his totally evil, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. laughs and, and all of his threats. Mm-hmm. And his weird, like he's bald in that way where it looks like he's actually just shaved that part of his head. <laughs> yeah. There's like bald stubble. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, my number five is Sala. Um, you know, he's, he's great as Indy's sidekick and it's like, how the fuck do these guys know each other? Um, I love the thing with the kids. That's probably like my number eight honorable mention or whatever, but also just John Reese Davies voice is fantastic. Yeah. I, I think that must be why they had him sing. It's just like, it's too good of a voice not to have him sing. Well, I, I feel like <laughs> probably just like John Reese Davies is probably like always bursting in a song on set. And they're like, fine. Mm-hmm. Do it. <laughs> Here's the reason. It's yeah. flimsy, but we'll use it. Yeah. Uh, my number four is the the girl with love you on her eyes. Um, not really much to say about her, but she's she's in it to win it. I like mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. Well, not, like, I, I no. Go ahead. No, I was like, when did she do that? Did she do it in class? Did she do it like in her dorm before she left? I'm going to say bathroom in the hallway before class because there's no way that eyeliner lasted. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to throw my eyeliner expertise out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My number four is actually uh, Sala. And uh, I think because like he, when I was a kid, I loved his character so much, probably simply because of his voice. Um, He's kind of like synonymous with uh, the Indiana Jones universe to me. Like, I'm a Disney kid, so I'm going to keep bringing this up. But, mm-hmm. you know, the ride at Disneyland, he's sort of the voice of the ride. He tells you, you know, how to do all the safety things and, and mm-hmm. what the temple is and not not to look at the eyes and all this stuff. He's he's sort of your guide 
to this Indiana Jones world. And I like that as a kid, I was so, uh, into him and I, he was so comforting. And then you get older and you realize he's kind of an asshole sometimes. Mm. Um, and I like that sort of like uh, the way that his, his, the comfort of his voice can kind of trick you a little bit. Um, where, but the, where he's actually kind of a scoundrel, even though he's like married and has all these kids and, and all of that. Um, and I also like his dad jokes. I like bad <laughs> dates. Uh, <laughs> I, it's terrible. And I think if any other character said it, I would have been like, ugh. But when John Reese Davies says it, I'm like, yes, that's hilarious. Uh, I like that you just said Saul is a, is a comforting asshole who has bad dad jokes. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's it. That's what I love about him. My friend, <laughs> do you want to go see the new Katy Perry concert movie with me? <laughs> well, you know, I think what you're talking about with like him kind of, you know, doing his own thing. I think that's what Lawrence Kazan really brings to the table as a writer. And because I think you can see this in The Force Awakens, too, where characters all have their own perspective um and they're even like even though there's like a main character like it doesn't mean that the other characters are going to constantly just like you know do whatever the main character wants them to do they they bring in their own you know takes on things and they have their own motivations and whatnot and i think he he does a really good job of capturing that so it doesn't feel like everything's in the service of a single story you know that feels mm-hmm. like it's all organic in the way they interact with each other totally I'm kind of amazed that like whenever Harrison Ford does a bad movie and he's done a lot of bad movies too, like he doesn't just bring in Kasdan, like he doesn't have him on like personal lifetime retainer. Like, like, like Larry, you get me. <laughs> Why can't you do a punch up on like the American president or not American president, uh, Air Force One. Sorry. Which man, just imagine if Harrison Ford had actually been in the American president. Um, my number four <laughs> is Marcus Brody. Uh, he's, I don't want to say debonair, but yeah, he seems like he's a bit of a scoundrel on his own, like skeezy college meets the museum way. And he's like negotiating with the army intelligence guys, to, like get Indy in there on this mission and work his angle. Um, and something about Denimal, Dan Hamelia is just, he's a comforting presence all his own, you know? Um, and yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Cause like, I do really remember him from last crusade. I remember that great scene where, Indies bluffing the Nazis about uh, Brody's skills. And oh, yeah. The room. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's nice to see like that. Maybe that was true once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. My number three is Sala. Uh, I love his character. I've always liked John, John Reese Davies. Um, yeah. The, the bit where he's complaining about like, cause I, there's some brief like line about how he's like the best digger in Cairo. And he's complaining about how like, Oh, it doesn't matter. They're just hiring everyone. Like, I love those just like little moments his character has where they're going to allow him to, to be his own, you know, separate person in the movie rather than just there to support Indy. Um, he's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. He sings. He, yeah. I, was, I, for some reason I was like, I don't know why I was thought this, I guess it's just like the movie is engaging enough. Cause like, I, I knew academically he's in last crusade. So obviously he doesn't die in this movie. But I was like really concerned. I was like, Oh, are the Nazis just going to kill this guy. I'm like, has this end again? Like, because he gets caught <laughs> yeah. like a couple times by them, but I guess he uh, they just managed to like, you know be like, oh, we're just doing what we're told, you know. There is that one where like he's surrounded by them, and it's mm-hmm. like it's like in any other movie that would have been his like ominous last look. Yeah, and yeah. the Nazis are just like yeah. executed everyone to communicate what villains they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a little more hapless than they are murderous in this movie, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in for it. <laughs> Um, 
my number three is actually Todd, which I actually read is pronounced Todd, like the the, like the name, <laughs> like Jeff Todd. Yeah. Um. So I'm putting him at number three for the coat hanger alone. <laughs> Because that scene scared the crap out of me. I'm like, what is he going to do to her? Every time I see it, I forget that it's a coat hanger. And every time I'm scared, just absolutely to my core. And then it's a coat hanger every time. Mm. Um, but that's kind of him in a nutshell. I think also mm. him sort of um, thinking he could just pick up a medallion that's been sitting in fire. Like, he's one of the scariest characters in this movie, but he's so stupid. Um, it's kind of great. Which makes the his like his Sig Heil thing later when you see the imprint in his hand, it's it's so perfect and villainous and yeah. horrible. Um, my number three is Renee uh, Belloc or Belloc. Uh, I like him. Uh, he's he's charming. Like I love your analysis that he's basically a Bond villain, but like it's not really like world domination. It's like he's not honestly that different from Indian summer guards. So I love the, the bazooka scene where he kind of uses Indy's love of archeology span against him. Like, yeah. yeah, go ahead, blow it up. I fucking dare you. Um, but then he has, he has that great line. Like we are simply passing through history. And this is history. And it's like, you know, Indian and Marion may very well die, but like Indy still surrenders to them there. I, I know I love it. Yeah. Uh, my number two, and this, this is a tough choice, but, uh, I, I put Marion at number two. Um, I, she's really a one a, but you know, if you have to rank them, you have to rank them. She's just so much fun. as I think we've, we've talked a lot about how great Marion is. So not to rehash, but, uh, it definitely have like the, I kind of wonder, I guess they wanted it to be like a bond thing where you had like a different girl in each movie or something, uh, with the Indiana Jones movies, but. Man, none of them come close just that, as a character and as a personality to Marion. Yeah. I can I can only assume that the reason why Temple of Doom is a prequel it's, is solely because they're like not wanting to shit on Marion yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. And I think like uh, she's actually my number two as well, which was literally one of the hardest things I've ever done because mm-hmm. uh, I I did not want to rank these two characters mm-hmm. at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. I I actually was really against Temple of Doom for like a really, really long time. And I think it was because I was so excited to watch the second movie and then she wasn't in it. And I was like, I felt like someone had like punked me. I was like, wait, but like what? Like, but she's going to like show up. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, she's I've I've talked at length about her. She's amazing mm-hmm. and I love her and I'm sorry that she's at number two, but for very good reason. Mm. Uh, shocking no one Marion's my number two as well for all the reasons you guys just said <laughs> yeah, c- can we assume that we all have Indiana Jones at number one yeah no, no I'm just kidding no. uh, the, <laughs> know, like, again we haven't mentioned it but the bit where he he discovers Marion's alive and he's like so happy and he takes her gag off and he's like oh wait a second you know like <laughs> I can't rescue you you're a little, little you know beyond to us so he just like ties her back up it's such an <laughs> asshole indie move, but it's like so perfect for his character. It it yeah. is perfect for his character, and it really—I hate to say this—it does great service to her later because you really do believe that she now has to work her own angle and like save herself. I think because mm-hmm. she yeah. can't really rely on Indy. Um, I mean, I mean, I hate to say that him doing something shitty to her benefits her, but in a way, it kind of does in the story. It's true. It's true. I, I I really liked his uh 
and again with the monkey, I feel so bad about this, but you know what? I just love it and I'm going to go with it. Um, when he thinks that he's killed her mm-hmm. by, you know, sending this truck off to, to crash, um, which is filled with the most obviously labeled explosives known to man. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally every inch of those things is red or says explosives. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I just love the image of him sitting with a whiskey bottle on a monkey, just being like, my life is over. Like, I don't care. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Again, he's, these two people are the reasons I drink whiskey. So maybe my dad should have watched out, but you know, here we are. Well, you know, what's great about that whole truck exploding sequence too. It's like, they never like flashback to be like, Ooh, here's what really happened. It's like, we don't need to see whatever. She's, no. she wasn't in the truck. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just yep, go with matter. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Indy, Indiana Jones is a character. I think this is probably Harrison Ford's like masterpiece of a, a performance. Not not like, you know, I guess character building, I guess you'd say. Um, he's mm-hmm. everything you like about Han Solo. Plus, he has like a more academic side to him. Um, God, he's just so much fun. And I mean, that the outfit is just so iconic. You know, the fedora the jacket yeah. he he manages yeah. to rock like a man purse through the whole thing and like it, mm-hmm. it everybody just goes with it and it looks cool <laughs> well yeah no funny you should call it a man purse because mm-hmm. i actually my go-to halloween costume when i forget to buy one is an indiana jones costume because literally all i need is any of my leather purses mm-hmm. that are not too effeminate mm-hmm. and uh a belt and like a leather jacket and some boots and like i'm set uh so yeah it, you, I, I do think it's funny that he rocks that are you saying that you already own the whip i do and the hat <laughs> nice. they're they're in my, they're accessible in my closet nice. should there ever be a costume party that arises <laughs> and it's one of the most fun costumes to wear because it's so easy you just wear your own clothes yeah. and like everybody is obsessed with it not mm. now that I'm, everyone's gonna go steal my party trick but i mean it's great you just uh, you need social opportunities where people are over like telling you how dangerous something will be as you're unwrapping a gun and you're like, you know what a cautious girl I am. (laughs) Toss it into into your suitcase. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, that was Indiana Jones. Any uh, final thoughts? God damn. That's it. That's my final thought. I love this movie. I mean, thank you, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, yeah. so much. The I would say, you know, I do like Neo Chris Pratt, but like the idea that he could have ever inhabited this role you know, <laughs> is is laughable to me. And I don't mean that as as I mean that's just setting up Chris Pratt to fail, it's setting up anyone to fail. Mm-hmm. The yeah. only thing I I like about the idea of them doing a future Indiana Jones movie is because. You know what? Fuck it. I don't care. It's Indiana Jones. It's Harrison Ford. I'll watch it. You know, I'm I'm hopeful it'll be great. That it won't look weird and geriatric. But I kind of like the idea that he'll have played that that character just one time more than he played Han Solo. As much as I love <laughs> every appearance of him as Han Solo, because I do think that this is the more iconic Harrison Ford role. Like this will be on his tombstone before his own name. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's hard for me to admit because I, my love for Han Solo is like maybe the second greatest love under Indiana Jones, but, uh, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else to say about the movie other than that. Uh, I love it. It is, it's just so much fun. It's, uh, it's, 
it's you know you call a movie like a thrill ride i feel like that gets tossed around a lot but this is like the the true you know canonical version of that it's just like non-stop you're super into it uh there's all these like fun sequences he keeps failing constantly but kind of like there's like new stakes you know that like now we have to do this now we have to do that it's just uh, i love the way the movie moves mm-hmm. okay well thank you for joining us kelsey yes thank you so anytime much. Uh, we can <laughs> find so you fun. on uh, bustle.com is that right yes and on, and on, on Twitter and, and on the tweets mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah you know I forgot to look up our reviews I think thank you to people who've given us reviews in iTunes I don't have it pulled up right now but we've had a few of those I'll try to read them next time uh, but if you want to get in touch with us we're at headcanonpod on Twitter and our website page is broswatchpll2.com slash headcanonpod and uh, yeah, we'll be back to talk about Temple of Doom. That will be an interesting one because it's very different from this movie in a lot of ways. And I, I'm not going to lie, I still love it in a very different way. It's still like an important movie to me, even though I, it is such a different movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to just watching it again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.